Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on topics of interest to you and your family. Today, we are starting a four-part series on COVID-19 and the effects on our essential workers. My guest today is Carla Adams, Chief Nursing Officer for Northern Nevada Medical Center. Welcome, Carla. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad that you wanted to do this podcast because I really wanted to do a series on the essential workers. Uh, We certainly have seen a lot in the news about them, but I haven't really talked to anyone who on a daily basis is... uh, integrating their job with the essential workers. First, I wanted to start off with a few things about how it's been for you. You know, the hospitals have been on the front lines in a new and intense way that I don't think has ever happened before. Yes, I I do agree. Northern Nevada Medical Center, we've always been known as a great surgical hospital with our private rooms and whatnot, and in a blink of an eye, COVID, COVID virus kind of changed our organization and the way we know it. Um, This has been a real test to our nimbleness, our strength, and our perseverance. Well, those are good words for this because I think it's been a real test for everybody, but certainly the frontline workers, uh, they do have to be nimble. I mean, if you can take us back to March a little bit, uh, I think about mid-March when we all realized that there was going to be COVID in our community. Before then, we could see it in the newspaper and maybe even thought a little bit that it would never happen here. But what were your first thoughts uh, in mid-March when you realized that COVID-19 was coming our way? Yeah, well, I'm going to take you back to the beginning of March versus the middle of March. Ah, good. Fabulous. We actually had a tabletop coronavirus exercise on March 4th. I remember that specifically thinking, you know what, this is another emergency preparedness um, exercise that we, we do that on a regular basis as a healthcare organization. And we successfully went through it, but I don't think we realized the reality of what was going to take place just a few weeks from then. The following week, uh, the week of March 9th, we started seeing our first patients that were coming in with, I'll say, um, COVID-like symptoms. They were all negative. Um, So we knew, you know what, we're getting closer. Uh, But it was on March 20th when we saw our first two positive patients. And that very quickly turned into five and then six positive patients in a period of three days. The other hospitals in our area at that time didn't have any positive patients. So we were kind of uh, scratching our heads and saying, what is going on? You know, um, we know that other areas are getting hit, but in the Washoe County area, you know, why was Northern getting hit with patients so hard and the others weren't? You know, one of our, our medical staff leaders said, you know, I feel that Maybe it has something to do with our screening protocols that we're actually capturing these cases and whatnot. We weren't. We still don't know for sure. We do know that you know there were um, a lot of outings, and the ones that were coming in had had some gatherings, some family function gatherings and whatnot, and you know that was the start of it. Were most of your um, positive people coming in through the ER? Yes. Yeah. They, 
they all started in the emergency department. Well, let me go back. You said on March 9th that you had some people come in that had COVID symptoms, but they were negative. Did any of them end up positive later? Uh, Because my understanding is you can have a false negative. Yes. Uh, In that case, no, they didn't. Um, But it what what transpired because of the week of March 9th, we all pulled together as an organization very early. Well, I don't know that it was early on because if we asked what could we do better, we would say, oh, earlier intervention yeah, yeah. Is, the, is the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we pulled together as a COVID preparedness team is what we kind of called ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Dr. Anderson, who's our, our medical director of the emergency department, Dr. Dalrymple, medical director of the hospitalist team, Dr. Winthrop, our chief of anesthesia, Dr. Mason, director of our intensivist program, and Dr. Beret, who is one of our intensivists, along with the hospital leadership administration, uh, case management, intensive care unit leadership, emergency department, med surge, engineering, marketing, lab, environmental services. That's the, the group that met. We locked ourselves in a room and it was probably two to three hours. Our focus was we are going to have a COVID preparedness phased approach. And what does each phase look like? You know, so we had a phase one. Um, and phase one was we were going to create negative airflow spaces in two distinct areas of the hospital where no patients except our COVID patients would would be. We had intensive care, and then we had a med surge area. Uh, We got a 10 by 10 tent, put it outside the emergency room, so that as people came in for screening, our staff would go out to the car and actually meet them and do the initial assessment uh, for those that may be exposed and not bring them into the emergency department. Uh, We had two, we we call them COVID rooms, uh, set up in the emergency department should they need to come in. But many of them at that point in time were symptomatic but not symptomatic enough to be hospitalized. And were you able, um, Carla, at that time to do a test of somebody coming in so that you knew right then and there whether they had COVID? Not like we are today, but yeah. yes, we yeah. we could um, every test, and this goes to how far we've come. Every test that we wanted to uh, to do, the emergency department would call our infectious disease preventionist and ask permission if we could do a test because uh, the resources were so scarce as far right. as the testing ability uh, right. back then. Mm-hmm. And they would determine whether they needed to or not. And so that has totally changed now, but that's where we were. But the the phase one approach, we stopped volunteers that week. We stopped students. We stopped visitors mm-hmm. um, with only exceptions of, you know, somebody that was in critical condition or, or whatnot. Those were the mm-hmm. only ones being allowed visitors. We started focusing on our resources, and that's materials resources as well as uh, personnel resources. Uh, The staffing, we reached out and ended up hiring back, I think there were three or four nurses 
that had been retired recently. Oh, wow. We reached out to the paramedics um, because people were not calling uh, 911 quite as much mm-hmm. um, because they were scared. Right. And we got some paramedics who are fabulous respiratory therapists. Uh-huh. And uh, so we had uh, two of them sign on immediately, and I think we ended up getting a third. Um, we canceled elective surgeries. We were the first in the region to cancel elective surgeries, but we were taking everything to a heightened level of seriousness, trying to look at, you know, what what does this what does this mean for us? And mm-hmm. safety was the top priority. So that that's a little bit of what we did. And then we had a phase two approach that came, and we implemented that when we got our first patient, which was May twentieth. Uh, that was positive, and we actually converted. So the ICU was then officially closed off to non-COVID, and we had to open up another ICU on in a different area, um, and we call that our PACU, and we call that our clean ICU, and then our COVID ICU. Now you got your first patient March twentieth, right? Yes. Yeah, because you said May. I just wanted to make that clear. Oh, I said March. No, no worries. For people listening, that it was in March. Um, So really, um, you all really jumped on this pretty quickly in March. I mean, for most of us, our memories are around mid-March is when I think uh, the public started taking it a little more seriously. Yeah. was mid-March. That first patient that you got uh, on March 20th, can you can you share a little bit about how that was for you and the staff? I mean, here you've done all this preparedness and you've sat in the room and done all of your phase uh, one and then moving into phase two, but then you've got the reality that you have a patient that has a virus that is so contagious and um, can be so deadly. Absolutely. So it, it was um, it was definitely uh, scary for the employees because we were in unknown territory for us. Um, I remember specifically us having a three team of nurses for donning and doffing. And that means um, trying to gear up in our, I'll call it the space suit, but we, we had Tyvek suits and we had hoods and pappers and we had done rehearsal uh, dressing out uh, but this is like real now. It's like right, you're back on stage, and you're like, okay, we're this is it. The audience is there. We are on stage, and the we had a spotter, and then uh, a person that was uh, suiting up, and then the they helped the next person. So we had a three-person team suiting up for um, preparedness for the patients to come in, and we calculated out the pathway that these patients could flow, how they could go in the hallways to make it safe. And it was just like kind of a scary journey. I, I had talked to the um, intensivist that was on, and I said, how did, you, how did you feel with that first patient? And he said, uh, yeah, I was pretty unnerved because he said in science, you know exactly what you're doing. You mm-hmm. know what you're dealing with. He said with COVID, he said it was just so multifaceted and it hit very suddenly and you didn't know who was going to come in with, um, I'm, I'm going to say really 
um, strong symptoms where multi-system organ failure right, right. right out of the gate. Right. And they just decline rapidly in a 24 to 48 hour period. And so it was kind of game on. And we were at that time reaching out to New York. We were reaching out to uh, Washington State, to California, to Las Vegas. And a lot of peer connections with the physicians. I can remember we were connected very closely via text and email. Um, so there we, we created our own, I'm going to say synergy and group. And I, I couldn't be more proud of the connection and the camaraderie that we developed because of the crisis that we were in. And we were just pulling together to make sure that we all knew what steps we were taking. That's quite a quite a story, Carla. The, you know, it's interesting. You can prepare and prepare for something, but there's but it never can prepare you for the real thing totally. Yeah. It really can. That is the absolute truth. Yeah. And and it sounds like you had uh, a remarkable team and that you were very aware that the team included uh many many people. Yes. That is that is exactly correct because they, and we needed everybody to be focused on their section. Mhm. Um how was it for you, I mean, you're the chief nursing officer. I would imagine you had some really long days. I don't know if it's lessened for you. Um, was there a, a peak uh, if this started on March 20th when uh, things started to slow down a little bit? We're now um, into June. Yeah. When Has there been a peak? And then I want to talk in a minute about a new wave that everybody's talking about. But how was it for you? You know, that first probably three weeks, it was seven days a week. We were, I mean, I personally was on, I believe, a minimum of three calls, one with our our corporate um, universal health services where they were sharing out information, one with Valley Health System, which are sister facilities down in Las Vegas. We did a group think tank each day and sharing of information. And then we had um, a local, our our hospitals actually pulled together so that we were helping one another um, as we got in the thick of it. And then we, in turn, internally did a daily call, and that was seven days a week, um, where we communicated out kind of the need-to-know information and things that were changing by the hour. Uh, what we could do. And from there, the leaders were doing twice a day, um, we call them safety huddles with their uh, with their staff, so that their staff were communicated well with and had at least the most current information we had. And we said it so many times, we are giving you the best information that we have today. You know, and and we believe that that is true. And we put out a memo every day, uh, and it came, it was called our CEO memo, and uh, it came from our our chief um, executive officer, uh, Helen uh, Lindholm, and it really varied in what the topics were, but each day, I believe the staff really benefited from having that emailed to them, so that it would be a recap of what 
topics we were we were faced with and what we were discussing for that day. And and when did you see this plateau? So uh, it peaked about April 23rd is where we had our our highest peak, and then it started uh, kind of leveling off a little bit. And coming into May, we were, you know, it it was gradually declining, gradually declining, and um, it has we we had a few days where we had zero, and then it, it started, you know, we had one for a while, and then it trickled back up to two, and and today we had five, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's not going away. We are. We are at a point where sharing with staff, because I think that in staff's mind and their heart, I think they want it to go away. Yeah. I, I want it to go away. Yeah, the whole, the whole public does. And, and as you know, you know, our cases in Washoe County are just going up and up yeah. at a dramatic rate. Um, and people talk about a new wave. And, of course, the governor has said wear masks, which um, for me, you know, I've been wearing masks for quite a while, and I'm sure you have too. Absolutely. Um, do you feel that if there is a new wave that, I don't know if the word would be better prepared, because it sounds like you guys were uh, very prepared, but maybe it's about lessons learned if there is a new wave. What What do you think the two biggest lessons that have been learned from what you've gone through in the last few months? Well, I, I will tell you, I was talking uh, to one of our clinical supervisors in the intensive care unit. And I asked him, you know, what do you think if we have a, another wave? Because right now we have half of the ICU set up for COVID and the other half is open for um, non-COVID. And it is, it is barriered off and separated like it's two different units. And I said, should we get another wave where we really get hit with covid what do you think? And he said immediately, he said, I think we are well prepared. He said, in a heartbeat, he said, in a matter of a few hours, he said, this entire ICU would be set up for all the the rooms to be prepared for COVID. He said, we have now at least the training and the skill. Mm-hmm. He said, we are seeing um, a little bit of a change in the COVID patients we're receiving, where at first, Back in March and early April, we were seeing multi-system organ failure and um, really just a spiral. And now we are seeing more of a single system. It might be just the lungs mm-hmm. that are affected, just mm-hmm. the heart that's affected. Mm. And that is a change. Yeah. And, and so what we believe is happening is it, it's it's morphing. Morphing, it's, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, then, and that's interesting because even... Some of the scientists, of course, you know, I I get it all from the media are saying that they think it's morphing too. Yeah, yeah, it's mutating and and it's changing. But if it changes and is less um, less severe, we're yes. all we're yes. all for it. Yes, we're all for it. Um, fascinating. I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation, Carla. I think it's probably you've been very very um, articulate with what has happened from the very beginning until now. Um, I would assume also that there's some lessons learned on how to take care of a COVID patient. Oh, most definitely. I think that 
I don't think anybody has perfected it yet, and I think the doctors are are still. I, I love the way their minds think. They're they're scientists, and they are still very actively working on um, tri- trialing different venues as far as um, medical science goes uh, to help fix the ails of COVID. Um, I think that as time goes on, it will get better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for right now, you know, they, they do an amazing job. Really, it's still chasing the symptoms, if you will, but, right. you know, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I have really appreciated this conversation, Carla. It's been very powerful. Um, you've You've given us a real good look and capture of what's gone on in the last few months. My guest has been Carla Adams, Chief Nursing Officer for Northern Nevada Medical Center. Next week, Carla and I are going to be discussing how to keep essential workers safe, and I'm looking forward to that conversation too, Carla. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. Yes, thank you to everyone who has listened, and for a list of our podcasts, you can go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast. And everybody out there, use your masks and stay safe.